Well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to see you, and I'm glad to be here today, and I appreciate uh, Dr. Noel allowing me to come and fill in for him while he's away in the Holy Lands. I know that you're praying for them. It's a wonderful experience you have to go to the Holy Lands if you ever get the opportunity to do so. Uh, it's so uh, wonderful to see the steps of which Christ went and all the things that he did. So pray for them that they'll have a safe and enjoyable time there. And it's good to be here. I uh, thank the Lord for you and the privilege of being back in the whole, old familiar pulpit. It feels like it's still firm and stand and hadn't been worn out too much. You, although uh, I think since I was gone, uh, y'all started speaking in different tongues. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Buenos dias. <laughs> okay. All right. I hope you brought your Bibles with you today. And if you have, would you please take them and open them to the book of Acts, the 13th chapter of the book of Acts. And there's one or two or so verses of scripture that I want to use as a basis for what I want to share with you today about what God wants you to know. So Acts chapter 13, beginning with verse 38. I Read out of the New American Standard translation of the Holy Scriptures. Therefore, let it be known to you, brethren, that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And through him, everyone who believes is freed from all things from which you could not be freed through the law of Moses. Those two or three verses of Scripture form the basis for the message that I want to share with you today as to what God wants you to know. In 1949, Billy Graham conducted one of the greatest uh, crusades in the Las Vegas, uh, uh, the Los Angeles crusade that eventually led to a worldwide fame for him. The meeting, however, appeared to get off to a slow start. So he arrived early in Los Angeles before the crusade began and gave a news conference. That Then he eagerly waited for the next day to see how the newspapers uh, would print out the, uh, the coming convention and, and uh, crusade. But as he read the papers that next morning, not a single newspaper carried the story about his crusade. But among the supporters that Graham did have was a lady, a Presbyterian Bible teacher by the name of Henrietta Mears. She invited Billy Graham to her home in Beverly Hills to speak to a group of Hollywood personalities. Present that day was a hard-drinking star of cowboy westerns named Stuart Hamlin, he also hosted one of the most popular afternoon radio programs in the Beverly Hills area. Sensing that momentum for the meeting was building, the local crusade organization wanted to extend the crusade, but Billy was somewhat hesitant to do so. So he put out a fleece and asked God for a sign that would assure him that he would need to continue the crusade. The next morning at 4.30 in the morning, he was awakened in his hotel room by a phone call. It was Stuart Hamlin, and he was in tears. He was crying his heart out. Billy woke his wife and friends who gathered in another room to pray while Stuart and his wife Susie came to the hotel. That night, 
Stuart Hamlin gave his heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the sign that Graham needed to extend the meetings. Meanwhile, Stuart excitedly told the story of his conversion on his radio show, and the local newspapers picked it up, and soon all of Los Angeles was buzzing about the Billy Graham meetings. The resulting publicity launched a half a century of mass evangelism crusades conducted by the Graham organization. Shortly afterwards, Stuart Hamlin was walking down one of the streets in Los Angeles when he met the movie star, John Wayne. And when John Wayne saw him, he said to that, to Stuart, what's this I hear about you, Stuart? And he said, well, Duke, it's no secret what God can do. And John looked at him and said, that sounds like a song to me. And so Stuart went home sat down at the piano and wrote, it is no secret what God can do. What he has done for others, he'll do for you. With arms wide open, he welcomes you. It's no secret what God can do. When we look at this passage of scripture today, it reminds me of that song. And here in the passage of scripture, the Bible who inspired the writer of the book of Acts said he wanted the whole world to know about salvation and that salvation depended upon your repentance of your sins and your complete devotion to one person and one person alone. And that was the Lord Jesus Christ in him and in him alone is there forgiveness of sin and one in order to become a Christian, be forgiven of his sins. He must trust Christ as Lord and savior. Look at the passage of scripture, if you would please, at verse 38. Notice the word let. I know it's an elementary thing for me to do this, but let's go word by word and get a better explanation and definition. The word let, let it be known. The word let means um, give it permission, turn it loose, let it go, let it be known. Don't keep this hidden, don't keep it back, let it go out, release it, permit it to be gone. Notice the word it. What does he mean by it? Well, it refers to the sentence that says, through him who is Jesus, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed. Let it be known, of course, means to tell it. And notice the word him, H-I-M. This refers to Jesus Christ. Let it be known, he says, that in Jesus Christ, And in Jesus Christ alone, there is the forgiveness of sins. And then he says, proclaim it. Let it be known to the whole world that God in Christ will forgive all sins and pardon you and give you eternal life. Let it be proclaimed and and people might might believe. Now, to, to have our sins forgiven, there are about four different words in the Bible that talks about forgiveness. The first one means uh, to to send it away. And the idea comes back from the time when uh, the priest and the Old Testament times would take a goat and put it out there in front of the crowd. He would take his hands and place them on the goat, uh, symbolizing the transfer of the people's sins onto the goat. And then he would turn it loose into the wilderness to be seen no more. 
symbolizing that when we confess our sins, God takes them and removes them from us. The other one, of course, has to do not only to send it away, but to lift up a burden. And the idea, of course, is that you're heavy, burdened over sin, but God lifts that from you and forgives you of that as well. The third word means to cover. When God forgives you, he covers up your sins, not with anything other than the blood of Jesus. It is the blood of the Lord Jesus that he uses to cover our sins from him. And then the fourth word for forgiveness is to blot it out. He just takes a gigantic eraser, if you please, and just erases your sins, never to remember them again. So uh, just as I am is the way that God wants us to come before him. And that, you remember, was the invitation hymn that was often used in one of the Graham's Crusades. Just as I am and waiting not to rid my soul of one dark blot, to thee whose blood can cleanse each spot, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Someone might ask some questions. Can I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God forgives me of my sins? And the answer is yes. Maybe someone would say, well, can I be sure? You don't know what I've done. I've done some pretty bad things. Well, yes, you can be forgiven. Could God really forgive me of all my sins? And again, the answer is yes. The Bible promises us if we confess our sins, he, God, is able to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Hebrews 8:12 says, God says, I will remember their sins no more. Hebrews 10:17, I will remember their sins no more. Isaiah 43:25, I will remember their sins no more. What else can the Lord assure of us than that he said, I, I will not for, uh, remember your sins again. Now, on the outline this morning, um, I, I've given you six ideas and 24 people have already said, we're going to be watching the clock and we'll, we'll let you know when your time is up. I never preach past 12. I, I, I really don't. <laughs> one of my favorite deacons of this church uh, presented me with a clock one time. All the numbers are 12. I never preach past 12. I should have brought it with me to show you. I, I still have it. I, I keep it hidden in my closet. But notice six things. First of all, there is the decision promise. And the promise that God makes to us is if you will confess your sins to the Lord Jesus Christ and accept him as your personal Lord and Savior, I promise you, you will be forgiven of your sins. I will forgive you of all your sins. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 and following, if we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that is a promise of forgiveness that if you make the decision, God will keep his word and will forgive you of all, all of your sins. God wants you to know 
that we receive the forgiveness of our sins through the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice in the book of Acts, if you would please turn to Acts chapter 2 in verses 37 and 38. In Acts chapter 2 in verses 37 and 38, on the day of Pentecost, this is what the Peter said. Verse 37, Acts 2, 37. Now when they heard this, they were pierced, stabbed in the heart. And this word literally means as though a, a person would take a knife and just with all of his force, stab you in the heart, prick you in the heart. And so he says, when they heard this, they were stabbed in their hearts and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, which means to turn away from them. Repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Oh, then I can be forgiven if I get baptized. No, no, no. Listen again to what it says. Be baptized in the name of, tree, of Christ, Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sin. Now, unfortunately, there are those who take that word far as to mean that, well, if you want to be forgiven of your sins, you have to be baptized. But that's not what the word means. The word literally means because you have been saved. Repent of your sins, and because you have been saved, you should be baptized. Baptism does not save you. Christ saves you. That's what it says in the passage of Scripture, that it is in Christ that we are saved. And once we are saved, and because we have been saved, we ought to demonstrate that by submitting ourselves to the ordinance of baptism. You know, in all of my days of ministry, I have never, ever baptized anybody so that they could be forgiven of our sins but I have baptized them because they were forgiven of their sins. I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts, the eighth chapter of the book of Acts. In the eighth chapter of the book of Acts, there is an account of when um, <clears throat> Stephen went to the Ethiopian, Saul went to the Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, in Acts chapter eight, beginning with verse 26, or 25, let's begin with verse 25. Acts chapter 8, verse 25. So when they were solemnly tes uh, testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they started back to Jerusalem and were preaching the gospel to many villagers of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Get up, go south to the road uh, that descends from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a, a desert road. So he got up and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure, and he had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning and sitting in his chariot and was reading the prophecy Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go up and join the chariot. Philip ran up and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and said, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, well, how could I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit down with him in the chariot. Now, the passage of scripture which he was reading was this. He was led as a sheep to slaughter and as a lamb before its shears is silent. So he does not open his mouth. In humiliation, his judgment was taken away. Who will relate, this gener his, gener uh, relate his generation for his life is removed from the earth? 
The eunuch asked Philip and said, please tell me of whom does the prophet say this? Is he talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning from the scriptures, he preached Jesus to him. As they went along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, water, what prevents me from being baptized? Now notice verse 37. And Philip said, if you believe with all of your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And he ordered the chariot to stop and both went down into the water, Philip as well as the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away and the eunuch no longer saw him, but went on his way rejoicing. Now notice something else. Baptism and sprinkling are not the same thing or, or christening. He didn't say christen me. He didn't say sprinkle me. He said baptize me. And that's what the word baptize means. The word baptize means to go under. It means to dunk. Our church's name is First Baptist, not First Sprinkling. It's First Baptist Church. We dunk you here when you get saved, okay? The problem is how long we hold you under. That's a, okay. But notice, notice something else. Look at verse 38. And he ordered the chariot to stop. And what did they do? They both went down into the water. Notice verse 39. And when they came up out of the water. So there is your definition of what baptism is. He didn't sprinkle him with water. He didn't pour water over him. They went down into the water. He baptized him and then they came up out of the water. That's what baptism is. That's how you do it. And so when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, his requirement was, he says, what, what must I do in order to be saved? And he said, be baptized. No. He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And then him having made that confession of faith, then they went down into the water and he baptized him because he had been saved. It is no secret what God can do when he comes what he's done for others, he'll do for you. With arms wide open, he'll pardon you. It is no secret what God can do. He will save you when you call upon his name. It is a decision promise. God promised you make the decision to accept Christ, you will be saved. You can take that to the bank, my friend. God never lies. Notice the second thing, not only a decision promise, but there is what I'm calling a distance promise. In Psalm chapter 103, Psalm 103, verses 10 through 12. Psalm 103, 10 through 12. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Now notice verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions from us. Now notice, as high as the heavens are above the earth. Do you know how far away the heavens are? I, I want to challenge you. When you leave today, after one or two o'clock, when you, <laughs> when you leave today, you go outside, look up in the sky. How high does the sky go? Can you see how far the sky goes up there? Can you see the end of, of the sky? 
You know, Michael Strahan and, and some of the others went with them in a spaceship, a capsule or a rocket of some kind or another, shot all the way up to the edge of the atmosphere, got past the atmosphere for four or five minutes. And what happened to them when they got there? They got out of the, the, the condition of, of the gravitational pull. They were released from it. They were free. They just floated around, laughed, and just floating around here and there and the other before they got back into their machine and came back down. How far is it up there? I mean, when you, when you look up at the heavens, can you see the end of it? And God says, that's how much I love you. It's immeasurable. It's forever. God loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would never perish, but have everlasting life. And there is no sin that you can commit. There's nothing that you can do or be that would not cause God to not love you at all. He loves you regardless. As high as the heaven is above the earth. Unlimited. No limitation whatsoever on God's love for you. But then notice the second thing that he says in the, in the distance. Not only does he say that as high as the heavens are, but as far as the east is, from the West. That's, that's something I've never been able to comprehend in my mind. Because they say, well, you can go north and south and it, it comes all back around and it, it, and it connects again. But not so with East and the West. Do you know that there was a time when time did not exist? There was a time when there was nothing that existed but God. And if I could go over here and say, by this music stand, all right, this is the beginning of time right here. Beyond that is infinity. There's no end to it. It just goes on and on and on and on and on. On this side over here, I could go over here by the piano, say that's the, that's the beginning, that's the end of it, and beyond that, beyond that is infinity. Infinity. No end to it whatsoever. And he says, as far as the east is from the west, so God has removed our transgressions from us. Can you believe that? And he will remember it no more. That is what I'm calling the deletion promise. The deletion promise. I will remember it no more. There was a woman that I read about when God, you know, she went to her pastor and said to his, her pastor, he said, to, he was asking her about her walk with the Lord. And she said, oh, Jesus appears to me. And <laughs> he Thought to himself, well, you crazy woman, Jesus doesn't appear to people in, perfect, in person. And so he said, are you sure? Yeah, Jesus, I talk to Jesus all the time. And he appears to me. So she went away and several weeks later, she came back to talk to her pastor again. And again, she said, you know, Jesus and I have a wonderful time together. He appears to me. And he said, ma'am, I don't mean to insult you, but I, I just cannot believe that. But he does. He said, in fact, the other day when I was visiting with him, he asked about you. And so he said, I tell you what, 10 years ago, I committed a sin. I mean, a bad sin. And, uh, and, 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 and God forgave me of it. I confessed it to him. The next time Jesus appears to you, ask him what that sin was. So several weeks passed, and she went back to see him again. And uh, he said to her, well, have you seen Jesus? She said, yes, he appeared to me again. And, and, and he asked about you. 
<laughs> he said, did you ask him what sin I had committed 10 years ago that was so terrible? And he said, yes, I did ask him. Well, what did he say? Well, Jesus said, I don't remember. I don't remember. You see, when you confess your sins to Jesus, he wipes them out. As far as the heavens are above, he loves you. As far as the east is from the west, he removes your sins away from you and he never remembers it again. Jesus will never reach out into the past of your life and dig up and draw out an old sin that you've ever committed and beat it over your head because it's all gone. It's been erased, never to be remembered again. So you have the decision promise, the distance problem, a promise, the deletion promise. Notice the detergent promise, what I'm calling the detergent promise. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Isaiah 1, 18, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they will be like wool. White as snow. Can you imagine anything being any whiter than snow? You remember the snowfall we had last year? Yeah, you remember that? Yeah. You remember how deep it was? Oh, but wasn't it beautiful? It was, it was pure and white and clean and pure until it started melting, but there's nothing whiter than snow. And here he is telling us that come now and let us reason together though your sins be as scarlet, they will be white as snow. I remember reading about a little boy who had a pet cat and his cat got dirty, fell in a pool of mud and so he decided he needed to give the cat a bath. So he went to the grocery store and he asked the grocer if if he could buy a, a bottle of uh, detergent of, of, and uh, he, he needed to, he, the man said, well, what do you want to do with it? And he said, well, my cat's got dirty and I need to give him a bath. And he said, well, son, uh, you can't give that cat a bath. He said, uh, one thing, he'll fight you all the way, but the soap that you'll give to him, it could really hurt him. He said, well, no, I, I've done it before. So the man reluctantly sold him a bottle of detergent and he took it home Several days later, he went back to the store and, and, the, and, the, and the man who owned it recognized him. He said, well, how you doing, son? And how's your cat? He said, oh, oh the old cat, that's fine. I said, I gave him a, I gave him a bath and uh, uh, he's, he's clean. And, and, the, and the guy said, well, uh, is he okay? And he said, well, no, my cat died. And uh, he said, well, I told you not to give him a bath in soap. He said, well, it wasn't the soap. It, it, it was the spin cycle that got him. <laughs> God says that when he washes you, you're going to be white as snow. And it's not going to be detrimental to you. He'll bathe you clean with his grace and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice number five, and that's the depth promise. Micah chapter seven and verse 19. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. Yes, your God will cast all of your sins into the depths of the sea. 
How deep is the sea? Have you ever been to the bottom of the sea? If you did, you went about 27, 30,000 miles or so forth in the ground. You ever been to the bottom of the sea? I'm not talking about getting in a submarine or some capsule that lets you down. I'm just talking, you ever jump off a boat, go down to the bottom of the ocean? It's impossible. Have you ever dropped anything off a boat into the ocean? Were you able to find it? How far down deep in the water did it go? Well, depending upon the weight of it, I'm sure it went all the way to the bottom. Could you ever retrieve it? No. And so what does God do with your sins when you confess them and, and, and you trust Christ as your Lord and as your Savior? He sends it as far as the east is from the west and he puts it down into the depth of the sea to forget it and never bring it up again. Thank you. So there's the depth promise. The depth promise that he will remove your sins from you. It is no secret what God can do, what he's done for others, he will do for you. With arms wide open, he'll pardon you. It's no secret what God can do. God wants you to know that in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone, there is forgiveness of sins. The sixth and final thing is the delegation promise. To me, this is a duplicate of what we would call the Great Commission. You remember the Great Commission is... All authority has been given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. God commissions us as his children to take the good news of salvation in Christ to the entire world. And now in this passage of scripture, he is telling us that he has delegated us to go into all of the world and preach the gospel that people might come to know him as Lord and as Savior. In Acts chapter 13, verse 38, it says, Therefore, let it be known that through him forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Let it be known means don't hinder it. Permit it, set it free, go tell other people that salvation does not rest in joining a church or living a good life. It means that you repent of your sins, you turn away from your sins, you turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and him and him alone is salvation. And if you would trust him as your Lord and as your savior, we will be forgiven for forever, forever. No end to it whatsoever. Love you, love you as high as the sky is. Forgive you, cast your sins away from you and wash you clean as pure as white as snow and as deep as the ocean. Never to remind you of them again. I tell you, it is no secret what God can do. I don't care how deep you've been in sin. I don't care what sin you've committed. There is no sin that reaches the grace of God. It's no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. With arms wide open, he'll pardon you. It's no secret what God can do. So I am commissioned. Let it be known, brethren, that through him, exclusively through him, forgiveness of sins is proclaimed. And so I'll tell the world that I'm a Christian. I'm not ashamed his name to bear. 
I'll tell the world that I'm a Christian and I'll take him with me everywhere. I'll tell the world that he's my savior. No other one could love me so. My life, my all is his forever and where he leads me, I'll go. I'll tell the world that he is coming. It may be near or far away, but we must live as if his coming would be tomorrow or even today. Oh, tell the world that you are a Christian. Be not ashamed his name to bear. Oh, tell the world that you are a Christian and take him with you everywhere. So I'll tell the world that Jesus saved me and how he gave me a life brand new. And I know that if you will trust him, that all he gave me, he'll give to you. For when he comes and life is over, for those who love him, there's more to be. Eyes have never seen the wonders that he's preparing for you and for me. So what does God want you to know? Well, he wants you to know that you need to be saved. You need to be saved from your sins. He, he wants you to know that you can be saved. Not only that you need to be, but you can be saved. He wants you to know that you will be saved if you'll trust Christ and repent of your sins. And if you will turn to Jesus Christ, accepting him as your Lord and Savior, he will ask him, if you will ask him and trust him to forgive you of your sins, you will be saved because it's no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. With arms wide open, he'll welcome you. There's no secret what God can do. He wants you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you trust Jesus, you will be saved. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the good news that we find in your holy word, the Bible. We thank you, Father, that your dear Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, was willing to come unto this world and, and to take upon himself and become sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your convicting power and for your presence here today. And we trust that as we turn to the time of invitation that you'll speak to our hearts and should there be one here today, a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, it doesn't matter, but they come under the conviction of their sins. They know and realize for the first time in their lives that unless they trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they can never be forgiven. But help them, Holy Spirit, keep the devil away from this place. Keep the devil from the way the hearts and the minds of our people. And should there be someone who needs to make a decision for Christ, Holy Spirit, convict them and lead them lead them to come forward and make it public so that we can all rejoice together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We're going to stand and sing our hymn of invitation. Brother Tom's going to lead us. Uh, others will be here at the front to, get, to, to greet you if you come. If you have a decision to make, please come forward and we will receive you.